welcome to The Executive Appeal, a show that convenes the world's most powerful and successful leaders to share mentoring and career advancement advice to help you successfully transition into senior level executive positions. I'm your host, Alex Trumbull, award-winning speaker, author, and leadership expert with over a decade of experience coaching and advising some of our nation's most senior level government leaders. So if you're ready to reach your goals, let's get started. Hello, everyone. My name is Alex Trimble, and this, this is the Executive Appeal Podcast. As you know, and, and as you, all of you who've been with us for a long time, this show is focused specifically on helping individuals reach the executive and senior level positions. That's what I do. My speaking, my coaching, my consultant, this podcast is all focused on helping individuals rise up the leadership ranks and move into those vice president and, 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 and senior vice president roles. And if you and your organization are serious about developing diverse and highly effective executive leaders, um, look, one, you're in the right place. But two, I encourage you to reach out, visit me at alextremble.com or reach out to me at team at alextremble.com so we can discuss how we together can help you and your organization reach its DEI and leadership development goals. Finally, The Executive Pill is now one of the top 5% most popular shows in the world. <laughs> so freaking cool. And this didn't happen by accident. It was you who made this happen. And it is you who determines the continued success of this show. So please, if you enjoyed this show, if you enjoyed this content, please do click the like button, click the share button, subscribe, and make sure you share it with at least two friends today. Now, with no further ado, let me say, Today is a good day. See, today we have a wonderful individual with us, Miss Celeste Interante. See, Celeste is the CEO and founder of Turf Envy LLC. Originally from Southern California, whoop whoop, <laughs> she began her entrepreneur journey as a small business consultant in California, then created a financial planning organization. Then she assumed the regional sales position, which led her to ultimately creating this extremely successful turf envy. Now, look, with no further ado, how are you doing today, madam? I am doing great for a Friday. Thank you. Why do you got to equivocate? Great for a Friday. It should just be great. Well, I take every day as it comes, you know, being a business owner, you just, you got to, you got to celebrate the small wins and today's a small win today. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. You know, as I was reading your bio and as I spoke to our mutual colleague, um, Katie Woodruff, the, one of those things that really popped up to me is that you started as a small business consultant, then financial. Um, you have a, a background in some healthcare. You, you went on to be a, re a regional sales manager, and then you created this super successful business. My question is, is how, one, but more so, how did you have the, let's say, emotional resilience mm. to do this? Because I would say most people maybe would have given up, right? Like, like, you tried so many things before you found your thing. So how did you emotionally weather the storm as you're trying to go through, grow through you, these experiences? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, you know, I'm, I'm older in years, so I do have quite a, quite a few decades underneath my belt in just experience, life experience, right? That relationships and friendships and in and out of different jobs and 
being mentored by different leaders within organizations. So that helps taking the coaching on that they give you and really applying it helps. Um, I'll be honest with you though. There are days when my emotional fortitude is just like, I'm out, I'm taking a vacation. Mm -hmm. I can't be here anymore. And it's, it's hard, you know, being a business owner um, and leading a team, I have employees. It's, it's challenging at best. What I have found over the years though, is I continually developed myself. And I believe that you have to one with what you're listening to, as far as um, audiobooks, what you're reading, how you, um, how you believe things about yourself. And mm -hmm. I have found that the major success comes when I bring in somebody that can help me get past my own self. So I have coaches. I have coaches all the time. I currently work with coaches every single day and not just one coach. I have a legal coach. I have a financial coach. I have a personal coach, like transformative um, belief theory, uh, you know, really working on myself because leading an organization and having that emotional fortitude really stems from, um, from me. So I have to lead myself before I can then lead my team. And that's just really, I think, what's gotten me through that and a few bottles of wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love how you threw that right at the end. It's like, yeah, all of this stuff and some wine. <laughs> and some wine. Well, yeah. I, 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 this is a perfect place to start and because, look, it's it's 2023. You know, we we are in the we are in the world where um, let me tell you this. Actually, let me tell you this. So I was recently speaking at a um, event for uh, senior vice presidents in the Fortune 100 um, category who are HR people. And as we we're having these conversations, each organization talked about just how important retention was, right? Retention's really, really important because you can't get your job done. You can't get anything done without your staff, your teams, right? Um, and as we were having that conversation and there was a talking about how many organizations are just doing everything they can to keep their staff. And what I had to bring up, because this is who I work with, I work with a lot of leaders and many leaders are saying, yes, absolutely, you have to maintain our staff. We, we have to. Yes, let's do a really great job being a leader. Um, but I am also a staff person. I am also a person. Um, and there wasn't a feeling that there's enough support for our supervisor leaders. And what you just said, when you talked about focusing on yourself, because if you if you aren't OK, then you can't help your, your team as much. I think that's really big. Is that what you see across the board as you see leaders? Do you see people really investing in themselves or is it more so let me just pour everything I have out? Oh, shoot, it's empty. Yeah, unfortunately, I see um, a lot of smaller business owners that don't have coaches and then they wonder why they can't get to the next level. And it's because they themselves haven't gotten and elevated themselves to that next level. And so it's critical that if I'm going to say you, Alex, say you come onto my team, if I haven't lived what I am going to bring you on to do, mm -hmm. and I haven't elevated myself into success, how can I coach you? It's just like an Olympic team. You don't want somebody that's never won a game or a championship 
to be the leader of an Olympic, say, basketball team. I mean, they don't just pick some guy off the street and say, hey, you look good. Let's bring you in and let you lead this Olympic team. It's, there's a proven uh, methodology to success, right? And so when you work that methodology and you figure out what works for you, what type of coaches, who you need to be and how you have to show up, then I bring you into my my the fold, so to speak, Alex, and I can give you that pathway to success and lead more from behind rather than telling you what to do instead of being all task oriented and giving you these unreasonable goals and letting you fix figure it out. It's more of, hey, I've done this and here's all the mistakes that I've made. You're going to go back and make some of them because you think you can do it better. And that's fine. But at the end of the day, here's really where we're trying to go and elevate the staff. I also bring my coach in to talk to my staff. Mm. So my personal coach comes in and has a session once a quarter with my staff, because I find that it's important for that continuity and that congruency in what the vision is of the company, that it's not just me seeing it, but it's everybody seeing it. So I, I bring in, you know, my financial coach, I bring in my health coach and I bring in my transformative coach to work with the staff as they want. I don't put anybody out or pressure them, but it's really important to, to elevate. And what that does then is it causes me as the leader of the organization to really take a look at, okay, well, what's my next step, Yeah. right? I've got this team that's coming with me. What's my next step? And when, I, when I'm in circles with my peers and other business owners, they're like, Celeste, what are you doing? How are you, how are you gaining this, you know, momentum and the success and whatever that definition is, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> um, but what is it about what it, you're doing that is, you know, getting your name out there and people are recognizing you and you're, you're starting to build this, you know, this thing, this company. And I tell them all the same thing. Well, I, I coach myself. I lead myself first and surround myself with the right people that pour into me. You know, I've, I've done small business consulting where I go in and talk with small business owners about their operations and efficiency and, and what keeps them up at night. And let's figure out how to solve for that. And then I got into financial planning because I relocated from Southern California to Vegas. And it was just something... Uh, that I could basically make some money and pay my bills. Mm -hmm. um, and then when that started to not, not fulfill my heart, I found something else to do. And so when, you, when you're looking for that next level, right? Because you're talking about how do we get to the level of leading ourselves and then leading our team. It takes an investment in finding somebody that will basically, for lack of better terminology, all right, time to strip down and look in the mirror and we're going to start there. <laughs> I love your terminology. Um, the <laughs> wine, the stripping down, um, let's kick some grass. Um, I, I, I saw that one from you. I love that one. Let's kick some grass. <laughs> but I, and I, I love everything you just shared. I want to underscore something you said too, which is you talked about having your coach talk with your team, you know, I thought that was really cool. Um, so everyone, when, again, everyone knows here, like I try to share as much of my life as possible because I want you all to be able to learn from me as well, right? And my our experiences. So I'll share my wife and I have um, a marriage counselor. 
Um, and I think this is, both of us agree, this is really helpful, period. Whether you're in good times or bad times. And especially when you're in good times, because now you have the tools to go through those, those more difficult times together. And um, I was talking to a, a colleague of mine who was going through some difficult times and, you know, their marriage counselors just, just aren't working. Um, and I told him what I did. I was like, hey, you know what? You know, when my wife and I have a marriage counselor, so we actually have one marriage counselor for both of us that we both see at the same time. Um, and that same marriage counselor is the counselor who we see individually. And that was super helpful when we started doing that because then the marriage counselor had the ability to, to kind of, if I was saying thing in one way um, and I was, oh yeah, you know, she's doing X, Y, and Z. And then we meet together and we can ask those questions and pull things out. And Alex, I mean, the way you framed that wasn't exactly what happened, right? Um, versus us having two different people conversation, yeah, having conversation with two different people. And so you made me think about that as you're talking about your own personal coach, having the opportunity to talk to your staff. And then they they probably have that that same information that they can come back to you and say, hey, look, you can, they can't, probably can't attribute it to anyone, but this is what I'm hearing from your staff. And you know, this is how you do, how does this make you feel? How do you want to grow? No, absolutely. I, I find that there's a perspective, right? So I work with my coach. Um, his name is Steve Bacon and he started Belief Theory. And I've been coaching with him for a few years now. And he knows me intimately. We're friends. We've been friends for a long time. And he came out to um, Vegas a couple of weeks ago. And we started this infusion of what I see as the vision for the company, what I'm working on, and infusing that into a conversation with my staff, my leaders, right? Not everybody, but my leaders. And he was able to formulate that conversation to its highest efficacy because he knows me and what I've gone through to get where I'm at and then where, where we're going next and then where we're going after that. And that has completely changed the culture mm. of the organization here to where when we're pinching pennies, the staff's not worried about are they going to get paid? They know they're going to get paid. Yeah. To when we're riding high on the hog, you know, it's um, the the emotional roller coaster doesn't really happen much here. We're yeah. we're at this level because we're all on the same trajectory, right? So in a lot of organizations with um, leaders and CEOs and even managers, when things are good, everybody's high. When things are bad, it's bad. Yeah. And so you've got this perpetual roller coaster happening. And I really want to be the leader of this organization that keeps things on an even keel. Mm -hmm. Now, do I have sessions where I need to shut my light off, turn on Netflix and sit and have, you know, <laughs> quiet time? Yes. Um, do I take multiple vacations a year? Yes. Um, because the difference in the pressure, right? The difference in the pressure between my staff and myself is night and day because mm -hmm. I bear the brunt of the entire organization all the financials, all of the credit, all of the operations ultimately ends with me. So that time to recharge is definitely necessary so that I can stay a lot more even. Mm -hmm. um, and if I'm having a bad day, I come into the office and I say, guys, good morning. It's always people first, always people first. 
um, greet everybody. Before I even open my laptop, I go around, I grab coffee and I go around and I talk to everybody and make sure that everybody's good, that there's, they know that they can talk to me. And now I just forgot where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> but we all know that they feel good or not necessarily feel good, right? You're right. checking to see how they're feeling right. and they know that you care. Yes. Oh, I remember. And so then if I've had um, like a rough night of sleeping, so I'm in my 50s. So you know what that means physically with women. Um, I'll just say, hey, guys, I'm just I'm, I'm tired today. or I'm having a rough day. Mm. And they know that um, I might need a little extra support. Yeah. And so we're constantly shifting that support back and forth. So most of the time, you know, I'm there for them. But there are times when they are there for me yeah. and lunch, lunch will be brought in or I'll get a donut or, you know, something like that. So it's it's really I think when you start to lead people, leadership, I feel, is congruent with influence. Yeah. Yeah. And not influence in how can I make somebody do something that I want them to do, but influence as people thinking about caring about other people. Yeah. How. I'm going to ask the audience real quick. I'm going to break the, the, the fourth wall. How many of y'all have ever noticed your leader being tired, having a rough day? If you ever noticed someone having a rough day, your leader, what did you do? Did, did you go buy them lunch? Did you did you take them out? Did you did you express some sort of emotion for them? Like, I, I love to hear we'd love to hear your thoughts in the comments. Um, and I'd like <laughs> to then ask you, I, you, you touched on something that was really interesting. You said the the level you didn't use these words, you used it better words, um, but the level of stress that they have versus yours, just in regards to the business is night and day. Um, I was speaking to one of my other guests um, uh, a few weeks ago, I can't remember where where he was from, but in his organization, um, he was the number two for a number of years. And finally, he became the number one, he is the president of this organization now. And I didn't get to ask it during the episode. But I said, Hey, man, like one more question real quick. And he said, yeah, sure. I think, you know, what is the biggest change from being the number two to the number one? Because you were basically doing the job. Mm -hmm. And he said, the buck stops with me. He said, that, that's, that's a huge, there, there is no one I can say, well, let's see what the boss says. Like, it is you. You are responsible. How, how, does, that, how does that feel? Uh, crow does not taste good when you have to eat it. So I'll just tell you that much. Um, <laughs> you know, for me, I take a little... This is what coaching has done, right? It helps you take a different perspective to it. I have brand pillars. So every company should have these brand pillars that we stand upon, right? What are What is our company about? When somebody talks about your company, what are you known for, right? And so for us, it's service beyond expectation. It's accountability, transparency, and integrity. So those that's our that's our four-legged table. So when there's a decision that has to stop with me, whether it's customer-related or employee-related, I revert back to those brand pillars. And that's my guide. Okay, when I set up this company, what, what was I thinking about when I talked about service beyond expectation? And so I go through each one of those and I make sure that whatever decision that I create falls within that, um, those four brand pillars. Because the last thing that I want to do is be inauthentic mm. and say, well, this is what we stand for, but I'm going to do this. And, and I, I'm going to do this because I'm the boss. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not, that's not how I roll. Yeah. Right. I, 
look, I have been the bottom long of the ladder, ladder, the first one that has been laid off when a layoff comes. I've been there. I've been paycheck to paycheck. I've been paycheck to, I can't wait until my next paycheck. <laughs> I've also been hot, yeah. you know, where I am now, where I'm, where I'm fairly comfortable in life. It's a journey. And so I understand everybody's position and how that impacts who we are as an organization. I'll give you an example. So in January, I hired um, a warehouse assistant and driver, great human being, gives 110% every day. And he had a, an accident at home about a month ago. In my HR company, I have a PEO and they said, well, we could just terminate him. And I said, well, I'm more worried about the fact I haven't heard from him. Terminations are easy. People are not. Like replacing people of that caliber, it's more of an effort and a headache for me than it is to try to figure out, one, is he okay? Yeah. And two, does he want to come back? So when we finally got a hold of him, he explained to me what had happened. And I said, look, your place here is here. Like we're, we're not going anywhere. And he said, I thought you guys would have just let me go. And, and explaining to him that that's not who the company is. That's not who we are as an organization. Yeah. Right. Um, he's back at work today, back on the job. We got him, you know, through all the stuff that he needed to get through, but it was more important for me to keep that, to keep that family here. Right. Because it's not just about employees and paychecks. It's about, they have children. All my, all my staff have kids. Uh, they're, they're all, you know, feeding their families and paying their car notes and little league and soccer practice. So it's not just about, um, okay, I could replace you. Really, I can't. I mean, if I had to, I could. So my retention is um, I'm adding to my organization because we're growing, not because I have to replace people that are leaving. Are you ready to bring your DEI efforts to the next level? Introducing Alex Tremble, a professional speaker who combines expertise and entertainment to create an unforgettable experience for DEI professionals and organizing staff. With a focus on leadership, mentorship, and relationship building, Alex is dedicated to helping organizations attract, develop, and retain diverse and high-qualified leaders. From the 12 pillars of an effective mentoring relationship to the seven must-have leadership skills, Alex provides practical advice that can be immediately implemented. Don't miss out on the opportunity to have Alex at your next event. Contact team at alextrimble.com to book the speaker who will take your organization's diversity and inclusion journey to new heights. I, I love your leadership philosophy. I do, and I love your 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 pillars. My my question is: Is how do you look? Here's the reality: You are a nice person, and you know about your staff. You care about your staff. You just articulated how you know you want to make sure you look out for them. You know how do you how do you balance that with sometimes tough business decisions that have to take place? Now you're in a situation where you don't let anyone off because you know, dollars and cents, but like there are times when you, you there's a business decision that's not going to be in the favor of 
right? And how do you how do you square the two? I've made those decisions. So early on in our um, in our business, we had uh, a large customer that pulled out suddenly, and we had twelve employees in two locations, and I had to let six people go like overnight. And it's never easy. Um, it's never something that I want to do. But, you know, you have to outweigh, like as an owner, you have to outweigh the dollars and cents and it has to make sense for people, right? I know, I think what's different for me is I know what I'm capable of and I know what I'm capable of about uh, creating the necessary revenue here in order to sustain what we have, right? So the sustainability is here. Like we've got enough business to keep the lights on, pay the rent, pay the employees and just kind of lather, rinse and repeat. What I'm now able to work on is the growth aspect. How do we start developing our, you know, bigger goals and get to higher revenue dollars? Um, and so it's it's walking that fine line. Now I'm going to say I'm not perfect. I had a, I had a scare about three three weeks ago where I was like, all right, we're just going to have to let a couple of people go. And then, you know, I call my coach. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the day, people used to go see their preacher. Um, <laughs> I uh, I call my coach. And, um, you know, we talked through it. And we talked about the possibility and what it is that we can create. And I got back into creation mode and possibility. And it turned around within three days, literally three days. And now that thought that I had is in the past. It doesn't even exist for me anymore. I, I love you, the concept of creation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's how often can we, do we end up in situations where things are difficult, are hard, are painful, and you have a choice. We have a choice. Do we, do we clam up? Do we, do we defend? Do we do back up and try to protect what we have? Or do we say, okay, well, we need some more dollars. How do we go find some more? How, how do we do something more creative, more innovative? How do we partner? Um, I is that your is has that been like that drilled into your head now, or is that like you're, you have to consistently go back to the well, to the coach, to keep making sure you're you're staying focused? It's probably a combination of both. You know, as you're asking that, what came to mind for me was growing up, my dad was an entrepreneur, right? So he was um, he started out selling cars when I was I think five, four or five quickly became the general manager, so rose up through leadership. My dad had a kind of a personality stature that people wanted to be around him. Like they loved to, <laughs> I think that's kind of maybe where I get it from, uh, my dad. But he uh, became a successful developer in, in Colorado. And before he passed, he had some really big projects that he worked on out there. And he always would tell me, he, he, called, he had a special nickname for me. And he would say, winners never quit and quitters never win. And I just remember, and it it's such a profound statement when you think about, it doesn't necessarily mean you go all out, you know, hit the floor at the end of the day. They used to say you work eight to faint. I don't work eight to faint anymore. I'm too old for that stuff. I need some sleep. Um, it, so it doesn't mean that you quit on the day. It just means you don't quit on yourself. And so mm. as an entrepreneur, you have to figure out, even if you're a C-level or a, you know, an upper management, because I've been all those, what you have to figure out is how do you solve the bigger problem? If you need to 
create revenue for an organization, which that's what every organization lives on is money coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have to start solving problems and you start solving problems by figuring out other revenue sources. So we've got four, uh, four revenue sources that are coming in to the business and we're developing a fifth one. And so we're really trying to figure out how do we, how do we manage all of that? And what does that look like as far as um, the growth trajectory for Turf Envy? So when you're, when you're really trying to drill down into um, you know, this whole concept about leading an organization and being in uh, an executive level position, the challenge is going to be, how do you, how do you make it every day so that you hit your goals? Excuse me. What I, what I tend to do is, and I just learned this at a conference is I work a 90 day year. Um, and I've taken that challenge on. So my years are 90 days long. So if you look at your year and every 90 day cycle, every 90 day cycle gives you the opportunity to pivot and make a different direction if you're not hitting the goals to get you to the end game. Hmm. So let's just say if I wanted to make 10 million this year, I know that there's four 90 day years in the year. Divide that, that's two and a half million. So I'd have to do two and a half million in my first 90 day year. And if I don't, then my second year, I have to make that up somehow. So Mm. it's just, it's figuring out how to strategize and what works for you. And again, it all comes from having coaching and being in those rooms where you can put things on the table and have others talk about how they handle those types of, of decisions. I heard you talk in an interview recently um, about the importance of relationships. Um, and I, I love to get your perspective. I was having a conversation with someone the other day and they were just saying how, like, you know, they just, they want to be remote. Um, like that is the thing. And, you know, I looked at a, a, um, I think it was a, oh my God, who, who survey was it? It was somebody surveyed recently, a big, big surveying organization. And they said about 70% of millennials and Gen Xers actually want a hybrid environment. So they don't want to always work in the office. They don't want to always work at home. They want more hybrid. Um, But there's also a larger number of people who are not attending things in person. They're just doing it remotely and trainings remotely. It sounded like you went to a training. It sounds like you said that you did it in person. Um, Do you believe this? Again, as someone who who is a successful leader, how important do you think those in-person interactions are? Well, you know, I'm I'm a little old school. So I think that a handshake and being in person with somebody, you can feel their energy, right? Because we're all energy forces. And so when they talk about good energy and bad energy, um, you feel that when you're in a space with somebody. You know, our, man, our world has changed a lot. Um, and... <laughs> COVID was the accelerator to that change where businesses had to figure it out. My business has somewhat of a hybrid um, working uh, opportunity. I do need people here in person because I need somebody to greet the customers at the front to take the orders. I need somebody to pull the turf out of the warehouse. So I've got to have people here physically. Now, I'll give you an example. So my both of my boys work in the business with me. My youngest son is so smart when it comes to technology and he's a millennial. He's 29 years old. And the other day I, I, 
well, many days, not just the other day, many days, let's be real. Um, I go back to his desk and he's, let's just say, not necessarily doing work stuff. He's got his Discord server up on his laptop and he's on his phone and he's doing some whatever he's doing, right? And and I had a conversation with him and I said, so um, I'm paying you to work. He's like, yeah, I'm working. I'm like, well, but you, you, you can't watch Lucifer all day or you can't be on your, <laughs> you know, your Twitch or your Discord or whatever it is. And he's like, mom, just because it takes me 10 minutes to do something it takes you an hour to do doesn't mean that I'm not working. Ooh. And I was like, noted. Okay. So uh, <laughs> I will just come to you when the work's not done. Right. And he was like, fair. So I think that's where my generation is, has a, a huge learning curve to understand that millennials growing up with all this technology that is so amazing that they're going to work smarter, not harder, use the tools that they have that they're already using, you know, to chat with their friends or to, there's so much technology out there just blows mm -hmm. your mind. I, I, I feel that companies that can have a hybrid environment need to be able to offer that. And that keeps good talent because at the end of the day, we just need the work done. That's all we need. I, one, I'm hundred percent with you. Um, I'm, I am highly in favor of the hybrid environment. I'm highly in favor on, on, you know, looking, grading, you know, staff on performance versus just time. Like you said, I can get it. If you ask me to get something done, you give me eight hours and I get it done in an hour, then it's done. Um, right. I do have a question though. So like, you know, hypothetically you say you, you give someone eight hours to do something and they can get it done in an hour. Um, and then they go about their merry way. You know, isn't there the idea like of, well, now you can use seven hours to do something else, to improve something, to develop something, to, to innovate on something, something else. Um, do you feel like there's there's a loss on that side? So there's two parts to that, uh, in my opinion. One, I I feel like people are paid for performing a job, right? We give job descriptions. Uh, you have responsibilities. These are the things you're responsible for. If I put you on salary, I expect 40 hours a week from you. But if you can get the work done in 22, you know, the, the discussion is, well, then should I pay you for 22 hours? No, I don't. I don't believe in that. I think you're paying for the skill set because somebody has found a better way, a faster way to be more effective and proficient. Mm. The second thing is, I think that if you, I think of as like, if I were to say to my son, okay, well, since it takes you X amount of time to do this task, I'm going to give you five more tasks. So now I have to consider I'm paying him a wage for this role do i develop a new role and pay him more because now yeah. he's taking on more responsibility do i expect him to do more work with the same pay i mean there's that wonderful tiktoker that does the whole toodaloo and she talks about have you seen her i love mm -mm. her um she's got a shout out and she talks about employers putting these expectations on their team players that are productive and that are meeting goals, but maybe not putting in a full 40 hours. I have a, um, my web designer uh, helped redesign my website and he was over in uh, the Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he's working remotely around the world, but he still gets all the work done. 
and it gets it done before, you know, deadlines. So the shift to a hybrid environment comes at a great level of trust. But I feel like if there's clarity in the expectation and the job description and, and what you need and flexibility on the, the employee's part to say, if you do need me to come in the office, come into the office. Mm-hmm. As an employer, you risk losing somebody, you know, or gaining somebody that's loyal to the brand. So I think that's my perspective on it. I, I, I really, really appreciate that. And I, I know we're about to, uh, we got to start wrapping up because I think you said you got to jump on the phone with Biden over some big contract on the maybe the White House grounds. <laughs> um, I wanna, you made me think of something as you were saying that a, a very bad saying that I learned early in my career, well, not early enough. Um, it was if you want to get something done, give it to a busy person. Um, basically, it's the person you trust, the person who's who's successful, keeps getting things done that people put more and more stuff on because they trust them to get it done. And as you're saying, now you're not compensating that person for all the extra work they're doing just because they're doing a good job. And at some point, um, you learn, like I did at some point, I'm just being honest with everybody, I stopped raising my hand um, because they just kept putting more and more and more work on me. And I was not being compensated or, or even I don't think always appreciated for the additional work that I was doing. It was just an expectation. So I, I just wanted to, you made me think about that. So thank you so much for sharing that. I, I wanted to just open the floor to you. Is there anything you'd like to share, thoughts, ideas, anything as we begin to wrap up? You know, I, I think there's there's uh, more to that conversation that you just, um, you know, I was that person too. Uh, they always say, if you want something done, give it to a, a busy person. So, I mean, let's be real. Busy people are busy, but they're also very overwhelmed. They're stressed out. They don't stop for lunch. You know, my oldest son yesterday didn't eat yesterday. And I said, why didn't you eat? And he said, I was just too busy. And I said, okay, well, if you can't even take care of yourself, I don't know if this is the right thing for you. Because we have to make sure that we take care of ourselves in such a way that we take care of ourselves. And so I don't, I was that like you, I was that busy person that always raised my hand. Y'all do it. Y'all do it. Y'all do it. And then I'd go home and my brain is fried and I'm exhausted and I've eaten junk food and I haven't taken care of myself. Mm -hmm. And it just really culminates to where I don't want this job anymore. And then you go to the next opportunity and you start as the new kid on the block. And you think that by being busy is going to get you (laughs) noticed and elevate you. No, that does not work. That's why I'm now a business owner, because obviously it didn't work. (laughs) Um, otherwise I'd be, you know, running some fortune 500 company by now. I, I feel in my learning, what I've uncovered is that, and I saw this online somewhere that said, you don't give eight hours to your job because this is a job for me. You don't give eight hours to your job to only give yourself 10 minutes to eat. Mm. And I was like, wow. Okay. You don't give eight hours to your job to only sleep five hours at night, right? So we start looking at these little habits of the busy person. Yeah. I also I also saw something about, and this, you know, speaks to mental health, which is a whole nother podcast, that busy piece people stay super busy because they're high level functioning depressives. Mm. Oh, wow. Pretty interesting. Um, you'll probably find that I could probably get the link for you to that. Uh, discussion, but it was very interesting 
you know, mental health is a really big topic right now. And if you think about it being busy or overeating or alcohol, it's all a um, compensation Mm -hmm. for something that's undealt with. And thus there's where coaches help. So I used to give 16 hours a day to building this business. I go home. There are days that I stay longer because there are things that have to get done. But I put in a nine hour day. I rotate my Saturdays with the staff. Like I show up just like everybody else does. There are days that I don't come in till nine o'clock in the morning. Like it's, it's not the do all end all make or break kind of situation, whether you're in a, in a traditional employee role, you're a leadership role, or you're the owner of the company. There's no way in this life that CEOs making millions of dollars a year are putting in 12 to 17 hours a day. They're just not doing it. They're off on their yachts for months at a time working remotely. Mm. <laughs> working remotely. Remotely. <laughs> we have these things called cell phones and iPads and, you know, internet across the country or across the world. So um, I think that the the whole adage of you want something done, give it to a busy person should be thrown out the window with the bathwater, you know, instead of throwing the baby out, throw that out. Um, and we should replace it with, if you want something done, give it to somebody focused and organized. Mm, mm, I mm. think those are the skills to get something done is focused and organized. And if I can add, has the bandwidth. <laughs> yeah. Every, so don't take every. on more than you can chew, literally. Like, don't fill your mouth so much with food that it's spilling out. And don't do the same for your life, your work life. You only get one chance at this thing. One. There's no rehearsals. There's no dress rehearsals. There's like this is the ride we're on. And we've got to learn how to appreciate that and live in such a way that we stay happy and healthy and really enjoy it. And that's kind of the motto that I live in. With that, everyone, goodness gracious. This was an exciting, exciting podcast. Thank you so much for this. <laughs> I had fun. It was good. I told you it was going to have fun with y'all. Yes. Yes. <laughs> not disappoint. Everyone, if you took one thing from this, 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 this podcast, our time together, I want you, I want to hear it. Put it in the chat. Put in the comments. Make sure we hear and see what you're talking about. I'd love to know what you got from this. I got so much from this. One of those <laughs> is get a coach. Um, cause that was like a ongoing theme. So please make sure you get a coach and you know, who should get to coach you? This guy, <laughs> <laughs> visit alextremble.com. Everyone, you know where I'm going with this. If you found anything of value in today's conversation, don't just look back, reach back, bring someone else to the conversation, to the conversation, bring this content to them. Make sure you share, like, subscribe, make sure that this show continues to get out to more and more people because if it meant something to you, I promise you it'll mean something to someone else. As always, I encourage all of you, make sure you, uh, you know what it is. Stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving. See ya. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to The Executive Appeal with Alex Trumbull. I invite you to follow The Executive Appeal wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me, your host, Alex Trumbull, across all socials or via email for exclusive webinars, courses, and speaking engagements on continued topics of executive leadership. So until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.